0: I remember as an 8th grader, i on my knees in my room, praying and asking God to let me play in the NFL one day. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the quickest. I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the strongest. But not too many people outworked me.
1: Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Ladder. Former NFL running back Sam Congato has lived and continues to live the American dream. Gatto and his family immigrated to the United States from Nigeria when he was nine years old. He was a long shot to even play professional football. Soccer was actually his first love, and he was introduced to football at the age of 13. Despite earning high school all state honors in South Carolina twice, he only started two games in four years at D1 FCS Liberty University. Then, nearly seven months after not being selected in the NFL draft, Gatto found himself starting and taking handoffs from Packers' legendary quarterback, Brett Favre. To many, playing in the NFL is a dream come true. But for Sam Congato, it was just the first step in fulfilling a greater calling. Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck has the story.
2: It's 6.30 a.m., and Dr. Sam Congato is doing his early morning rounds at St. Louis University Hospital one of the many responsibilities for the third year resident working towards becoming an ENT, an ear nose and throat doctor.
0: Hello Mr. Porter, how are you doing? My name is Dr. Gatto, I don't think you met me, you met some of my other colleagues. So my understanding was that you were having a little difficulty breathing yesterday.
2: But it wasn't that long ago that he operated in a different field.
0: Last time I played a down of football was in 2009 and yet I was just walking over here, and somebody said to a patient, that's the football player.
1: He gives it to Gatto. Touchdown, Sam Con Gatto, he just moved the pile into the end zone.
2: Gatto burst onto the NFL scene as an undrafted rookie with the Packers in 2005. And on November 13th, Gatto's birthday no less, the running back scored three touchdowns against the Falcons in his first career start.
1: Sam Congato, who has become a local hero here.
2: And then, four weeks later, he set a Packers rookie single-game record when he rushed for 171 yards against the Lions.
0: It didn't feel like professional football, and it didn't feel like a business. It felt like you were playing for your hometown team. that just so happened to be professional. And I loved it.
2: Gatto fulfilled his NFL dream and played five seasons on four different teams. When he retired in 2010, he went running towards a dream that he's had since his first high school biology class, a career in medicine. So what's more difficult, playing an NFL game or going through medical school? This.
0: Not even close. Not even close. I think in the NFL, at the end of the day, it's really just a game. Here. You know, what you know or don't know, can kill someone.
2: What drew you to the specialized field of VNT? It's
0: very active. It's very hands-on, and you're in an operating room. You're doing something with your hands, and I think I wanted something along those lines. Uh, actually, it's, we got most of it. Okay. Yes, sir.
2: Gatto's work has caught the eye of his supervisor, Dr. Justin anastell He is very quick to develop really strong relationships with the patients. He's smart, he works hard, he's kind, he cares about other people. All those things that you would look for in somebody that you would want to take care of you or take care of your family members, he has those qualities. Sam Congato was nine years old when he and his family moved from Nigeria to America. Now, Dr. Gatto has lived not one, but two American dreams and looks forward to his journey coming full circle.
0: It's long been my desire, I think, to uh, to go back to Nigeria and be involved in the healthcare system. There are 200 million people in the country and less than 300 ENTs to service the whole country. I think there are 300 ENTs in St. Louis alone. I feel like much is expected of me because of what I've been given. It's just my hope. When it's all said and done, I can at least say that My contribution to this world was valuable.
1: Still to come, I'll talk with reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck about her time with Dr. Sam Congato. And just a reminder to all our subscribers on Apple Podcasts, send us your feedback and a rating. We'd love to hear from you. And you can get alerts on your phone if you add SC Featured to your podcast favorites in the ESPN app.
0: I was 27 years old when I played my last football game. I think like most NFL players, I had to deal with that transition. I didn't have to go through years and years of trying to figure out what I was going to do. I knew that medical school was always going to be there.
1: You're listening to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Ladder. We now continue with the story of former NFL running back Sam Congato. And I'm joined now by Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck. Michelle, good to have you on the show. How would you describe Sam Congado?
2: Sam Con is a humbled man. He's a man of God, and he is deeply devoted to his faith. He's got this bright-eyed, big smile, just very friendly and warm face, and he's such a kind, compassionate man. And we sat with him. We did the interview. It Was pretty long. We sat with him for, I want to say, a good two hours. As a child, you know, he grew up in Nigeria and he grew up to two educated and well-respected parents. But Sam Khan found that he spent most of his time as a child away from his parents. He and his sister, they were in a boarding school far away from both their mother and father. And that's where they spent the majority of their younger years. In 1989, Sam Khan's father, who was a headmaster at a Bible college in Nigeria, he came out to the United States for further training. And then, in 1991, when Sam Khan was nine, he and his sister and his mother joined his father in America, and they settled here. Um, and life was a whole lot different. So he did tell me that once they finally were in the United States together as a family, it was the first time that he really felt a sense of unity, a sense of togetherness. And interestingly enough, though, as much as he felt that security with his family, it was also really difficult that transition for him as an African boy from Nigeria in America was was actually very difficult. And it wasn't until his parents really noticed that he was struggling, that they put him in a different school and made some big changes that ultimately changed and affected the rest of his life.
1: We mentioned that it wasn't until he was a teenager that he was actually exposed to the sport of football. How did that come about?
2: Growing up in Africa, his first love was soccer. And then when he came to America at nine, he used to see childhood friends at church playing every once in a while. And But he never really partook in the sport. He didn't really partake in the sport. He was fast. He was a fast little kid, and he always knew that he had speed on his side. But he never really thought that he had an extraordinary talent. But it wasn't until he was 13 years old that he was introduced to the game of football. I mean, the majority of his time from when he did arrive in America... From nine years old until around 13, he was really just trying to fit in.
0: One time I got beat up at school and I didn't, I just sat there and took it. I I didn't fight back and I came home and my father was just so frustrated that his son didn't actually stand up for himself and just stood there and just three guys like just beat me up for no, for no reason. And I think that was my story Until my parents just saw the wisdom, like, I think their son was going downhill fast and wasn't going to make the transition. If we're going to stay in the United States, they had to do whatever they needed to do to just get him in a better environment. They put me in a private Christian school, Ben Lippin, and I was there until my senior year, and I think that is when things really started changing.
2: Is that when you were introduced to the game of football for the first time?
0: Precisely, and I started playing in seventh grade. I knew I wanted to play sooner, and uh, that was just my first opportunity to do it. So Why was that? So soccer was my love, and I think uh, it was something my dad and I had in common. But it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't the sport of America, And uh, but football was. And so it was kind of a way to get in. Uh, It's a way to develop social currency, you know. Um, And I don't think it's wrong. It's just the way it is. And I think other countries, it's soccer or cricket. But in America, it's football.
1: You know, for a lot of kids who grow up in this country, at a very early age, they already have grander dreams of playing professional sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's NBA uh, basketball. Did he believe once he was exposed
2: to football that he had a future in the sport? I don't know that he thought that he had a future, but he definitely prayed for it. Once he was exposed to the game of football at age 13, he told me that literally every day and night he would say a prayer that one day he could play in the NFL. And I asked him the very question, at what point did you think you could make a career out of the game of football? And he said that it wasn't until he actually played with the Packers and started—it was his first true start on November 13th in 2005, and that was his birthday, no less. He scored three touchdowns against the Falcons, and then and only then did he believe— that he could make a career out of football.
1: Michelle, that was actually my first year covering the Green Bay Packers, and I remember Sam Conn being this, like, cult favorite because at the time people were aware of his dreams of one day being a doctor and that his life had kind of taken this unusual turn where he found himself in the NFL and, and as we mentioned, no less taking handoffs from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Brett Favre, and I remember what you just said about him, which was, His eyes were big the entire time as though at any moment he might wake up from this dream that was happening around him and he would be back, you know, on this road to medical school. But instead, he was surrounded by these professional football players and, you know, running the ball at historic Lambeau Field. And I think that was one of the reasons why people really took to him and Uh appreciated his story. I remember that game against, I think it was the Detroit Lions, when he had 171 yards yes. and a very memorable play in that game. What happened?
2: It was in Green Bay, fourth quarter. Game was tied at 13 with 7.07 remaining. The Lions have the Packers pinned just a few inches from their end zone. So far Favre handed the ball off to Gatto, who had no shot at all at getting out of the end zone. So as he's being tackled, he pitches the ball forward, which was recovered by a teammate of his just outside of the end zone. And it was initially ruled intentional grounding for a safety, and then it was eventually ruled an incomplete pass. But it involved quite a bit of chatter and discussion by the referees. Um, Here, take a listen. Here's what Gatto told me about that play.
0: I just remember not thinking, but just reacting, knowing that I could not be tackled in the end zone. And so I just pitched the ball. And thankfully, Vontae Leach, our fullback, uh, picked it up. Of course, then the controversy ensued. And I just remember how I felt in between that moment and when the final decision was called. And prior to that, uh, I was a rookie, and so I'd had ball security issues a few games before, and that was harped on. And granted, this time I did it not on accident, I mean, I, I did it on purpose. As I was waiting for uh, the referees to kind of decide or make the final call on the play, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, I hope, I hope this works in our favor. And then Coach Sherman calls me and says, Sam, were you outside of the box? And I was like, I know I was outside of the box. And at this point, I kind of have an idea what he's thinking. And I was like, I think that was a pass. I think that was a pass. I definitely was outside of the box. And I knew I was outside of the box from the play. By the time I got the ball, I was supposed to be around the tackle area. So I knew that that's where I would have been. And sure enough, uh, when they got the play called and they reversed it and they ended up saying that it was a forward pass and we were safe, Um, I was so relieved.
2: So the Packers, they go on to win that game in 2005. The Lions hadn't won in Lambeau since the 1991 season, and it would take them 10 more years for that streak to end. So Gatto definitely has a place in that historic rivalry between those two teams. Michelle,
1: what were some of his best stories during his time with the Green Bay Packers?
2: Coming from Nigeria to America, I asked him what his favorite team was growing up. He said the Cowboys. Not shocking, right? Then he gets to play for the Packers, which... You covered them. You know. We've all been to Lambeau. It is such a different magical experience, right? It's in a category of its own. And he told me that he just he loved playing for the Packers so much that it never felt like a business and that it always just felt like he was playing for a hometown team, that there was always a sense of community. And then he told me about his impressions of uh, one very popular quarterback with the last name Rogers. Yeah, take a listen to this.
0: I remember when I first met Aaron. Um, it was uh, during because he was running the the practice squad uh, players, or he was the backup. So he came up to me, introduced himself to me, and I remember him saying something to the effect that he was going to be good one day. I remember this, and I chuckled in my heart. It's like because there was Brett Favre, and he you know coming out of college, you think to yourself like he you know he he wasn't heralded. I mean he was. He wasn't like Peyton Manning coming out of college, so he wasn't supposed to be the next best thing. And I just remember th- thinking to myself, "Man, that's a good attitude," but in my heart, I didn't believe it. And to see him now, it's it's unbelievable. He, I mean, he 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 said he was going to be this good. I mean, he said that in two thousand five, and it's amazing to see him even being mentioned as one of the best quarterbacks in the game now. It really is.
2: And then to put a big cherry on top of his time with Aaron Rodgers, Sam Conn at one point was Aaron's wingman. He calls it his claim to fame, but apparently Aaron had a girl that he was interested in, and he asked Sam Conn to be his wingman. And they went to dinner. They went on a double date. And I asked Otto if he was a good wingman. He said he did his job. He did it well. So that, that was the end of that story. He didn't elaborate. But it's pretty cool that he's able to tell that. And obviously... The bigger that Rogers has gotten, the story, you know, gets gets even that much cooler as and, time goes on. And
1: for people who are familiar with both gentlemen, that's kind of a perfect match because Aaron Rodgers prides himself on being very cerebral. He's totally. very smart. He likes to surround himself with people who are smart and who can who can carry on conversations and that is a great way of describing Sam Congato. This, you know, not egotistical by any means. He's not going to wave his intelligence in your face, but just you, he could carry a conversation. So I could see how that would have been a uh, an easy marriage for Rodgers and Gatto. He did eventually have to step away from the game of football. What was mm-hmm. that like for him, and what was
2: next? I think it's tough for anyone when they have to step away, but Sam Con always knew that he had a plan B. But, you know, I mean... He, he wanted to play. He wanted to keep playing. He actually tried to play again in 2010 and hoped that he would get a call from a team, but that call, it, it never came. And it was time for he and his wife to have a serious fork in the road. This is time to make a real-life choice and make a decision. And they decided that it was best to retire officially in 2010 and to go running towards his next dream which has really been in the back of his mind, which you know, Jen, since his first biology class as a sophomore in high school. The NFL, as we know, not personally, obviously, but just working in it, you know the kind of pressure and responsibility that there is when you play in the NFL. But when he talked to me about the responsibilities to try and fulfill this dream of being a doctor, it was really no comparison. Listen to what he had to say.
0: The biggest challenge now is the, all the responsibilities that come with being a doctor. I think um, there's a reason that doctors hold the place they do in society. And it's not because it's just given to them. You know, Just like playing in the National Football League is not just, it's its a lot harder than it looks on television. And you don't appreciate it so much till you're actually there and you're forced to do it. And you realize that there are over 270 to 300 days of training for 18 games. That's not a lot of time to really show off what you're doing. Um, And I think it's very similar. I think being a doctor is such a tremendous responsibility. And so the responsibilities specifically are one, just the medical knowledge, keeping up with it. It's changing so fast. If you keep your head in the sand, it becomes obsolete quickly. And then two, the patient responsibilities and realizing your patients are more than just their medical condition. And so if you want to treat them, you have to treat everything that comes with them. And people are messy. You know, we don't come clean, packaged, and everything just seems to be in place. The reason why people come to see us is because in some way or shape or form, their lives are broken. And it could be maybe just a little bit, or maybe it could be a whole lot. And we've been tasked with this amazing responsibility to try to put it back together. And that's why I think doctors are somewhat respected in society. But that comes with a huge responsibility because you're responsible for somebody's life.
2: So Sam Khan really wants his journey to come full circle. And he wants to go back to Nigeria to help the people there. They don't have the details completely figured out, but as soon as this January, they're going to spend a month in Nigeria. Sam Khan was able to receive a grant that was approved by his superior, Dr. Anastal. And so that's definitely in their short-term plans and their long-term plans. Because he feels like he has been so blessed with the opportunities that he's been given, that it's his duty to pay it forward and to help the people of his native country of, of Nigeria.
1: Michelle beisner thank you so much for joining us here on the SC Featured podcast. To hear more stories like this, just follow SC Featured on Apple Podcasts and, of course, in the ESPN app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.